When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Chicago Audible podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. It's Tuesday, March 1st, and we're here at the 2022 NFL Scouting Combine to kick off our full week of coverage from a Bears perspective. I'm Russell DeWitt. Join with me is my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. And Nick, this is awesome. Uh, you and I have been kind of gushing over this all day. You know, being back at the Combine, uh, it's the first time the NFL's had the Combine since 2020. We were there, and it weirdly feels like we were here yesterday, yet an entire lifetime ago. Absolutely. Like when we got here, just all the memories from the last time we were here, just kind of, oh, we were here. We were, you know, we, just all the little things that we did. But it feels normal, which it feels great to be completely honest, just being back around working, just seeing, you know, guys from the beat as well. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun being down here for sure. It's a lot of fun. Now, we still have to wait to talk to players. Uh, that'll begin tomorrow as we get to talk to some wide receivers and tight ends. But today, uh, we did have the opportunity to talk to and listen to both. GM Ryan Poles and head coach Matt Eberflus and Nick before we get going do you just have like a theme that you kind of took away from today I have a couple that I know will kind of guide our conversation but I'm just curious I know we came from a regime that we didn't get a lot of anything there wasn't a lot of substance I thought we got some today given the parameters that we kind of knew was coming yeah I mean look Ryan Poles Matt Eberflus both started off like hey we can't say too much on the details and things like that but I think the main takeaway for me is that truly Matt Eberflus, Ryan Post, this Bears organization, everybody involved in it are on the same page in terms of how they're viewing, you know, it, it could be anything, to be completely honest. There just seems to be that that cohesiveness mm-hmm. that I think wasn't really there in the last regime. But you, you hear what Matt Eberflus might be saying, and it's like, oh, you know, Ryan Poles mentioned something very similar, maybe yes. the exact same phrasing. So just people being on the same page and that starts from the top with those two guys and 
definitely going to be reflected through the bottom of this this team. 100. Uh, percent There's a lot of just I would say cohesion uh, between the messages, and it felt like obviously they prepare what they want to tell mm-hmm. us here today. Um, but I do buy a lot of what they were kind of giving us uh, throughout this morning and this afternoon. And Nick, I want to kind of begin the show uh, by just kind of getting some of those takeaways from both Coach Flus and Poles about this culture. Uh, that they are establishing here in Chicago. Obviously, whenever a new regime takes over, that is almost priority number one. Uh, you know, polls on the mindset. Uh, one of the quotes that he said was, he wants players that wants their name etched uh, inside of the stadium. And then Coach Eberflus talked about uh, as well when they're looking at players to bring to Chicago. Like, number one, you know, do they have a deep desire to be great? And are they also willing to work hard? Do you think that you know this is real and this is substantive, or is this just general GM head coach talk? Well, I think it, it needs to be real because those are the type of players that ultimately are going to be brought into this team, you know, in a couple of months, whether it's free agency or through the draft. But that those are the type of, I guess, traits that Matt Eberflus, Ryan Poles, they want to bring into this new era of Bears football. So. Yeah, you might hear a lot of GMs and, and head coaches say very similar things, but this is real to them, and that's what they value. So I think there is something to it, especially early on. That's kind of what you're really looking for in these players. Right, and I think this is why you know Ryan Poles had that conviction uh, to hire a Matt Eberflus because they do have this shared vision of how they want to build this Chicago Bears football team. And I know there, I talked about you know they want to bring in guys. Uh, I know Matt Eberflus mentioned uh, when they're looking at Uh, the draft as well as free agent potential targets like what kind of guys do we want to bring in and coach said two things uh if they you know two check marks number one you know do they want to be great and number two are they willing to work hard as i mentioned and if they don't even check both of those boxes like they're already discarded like they're not even going to be considered uh, to become a chicago bear whether it be through the draft or free agency so those are the top two uh, kind of priorities that they're putting in place in these players, and then if they do check those boxes, then like, okay, let's scout this player uh, a little bit further. I love that. I don't know about you, but I love that kind of mindset because it's going to kind of weed out some players that you know maybe on the surface would be decent options from like a production standpoint, but not so much for the culture that they're trying to build here. Yeah, and they also like they also talked about like the profiles that they wanted to have on these players. So that again, that kind of fits into exactly this whole entire team being on the same page and there's no discrepancy of what they're looking for in a player if he meets meets xyz and you know maybe it's a need for that position it's like those are the guys you're going to go pursue so you're not wasting time with everything going to be just escalating so quickly it's like they're not wasting time on players that don't fit their mold and again i think that helps i just i guess move the process forward in a good timely fashion because everything's going to be happened so quickly 100 percent, and i think it's refreshing you mentioned uh the player profiles and what coach eberflus mentioned was that they went ahead and made a series of tapes uh, mm-hmm. on every single position offense defense special teams and there, and it kind of outlines and depicts the prototype player uh, at each position uh, that they would like to have on this roster uh, and that'll allow both you know the entire coaching staff uh, as well as the scouting department and the front office to kind of have a shared vision mm-hmm. and there's just no way you can misunderstand what someone's looking for because it's right there on tape you can go see it these are the attributes these are the types of players and everyone's on the same page to me again that's refreshing because it's so easy uh, to kind of misconstrue something, take something a little bit differently. Uh, it happens all the time in the world. Yep. But to put something out there on tape and say, this is what we want to you know, have, go get it, 
and go coach this up, it just, to me, makes it, you know, almost like a black and white line that's been drawn yeah. and will help this Bears team as they kind of go through their blueprint this offseason to kind of recalibrate, I think, quicker than if they just wouldn't have had that approach at all. Yeah, and just to kind of add on to this, we'll take the conversation a little bit. Um, continuing with the roster makeup, like Ryan Poles was kind of asked about, since you don't have any attachments to mm. this roster and trying to make up, um, you know, who's ultimately going to be here, what does that do to for final decisions? And he kind of, he said like it's easier to make those decisions. And the quote that he has like see the roster for what the tape is telling you. Mm-hmm. Kind of like what you were talking about here, d- making those decisions definitive. And you're doing that because you don't have an attachment to a Danny Trevathan or other guys. But you know like when you heard that, well, like who are some of those players that you can fit that mold of like what the tape is telling them? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a great question and. Uh, I do I do want to mention, too, that they said they looked at tape from last year and years prior. Uh, so mm-hmm. they're not going to solely judge a player on what they were able to do uh, a year ago. Um, but the big one, and maybe it's pun intended, uh, would be an Eddie <laughs> Goldman. Uh, because, you know, moving into a three-tech defensive lineman, we had that talk in a podcast mm-hmm. last week. Like, I don't believe he is a true fit there. And Coach Sluice did say for someone in the three-tech, uh, the priorities are to win your one-on-one matchups. And when they run zone away from you, you need to hold down that B gap. I, I think Eddie Goldman could hold a gap. But yeah. I, I don't believe that they, he can consistently win, you know, one-on-ones. I know he didn't do that last year, so when they're looking at the tape, uh, I don't think it fits. Uh, and then it goes from there. Like, they kept mentioning, you know, they want explosiveness from almost any position, uh, but especially defensive line, you know, someone who can penetrate that backfield, get some of that interior pass rush. Eddie Goldman moving from no tackle to three-tech to me doesn't make sense. Uh, and I think what I hear here today uh, would kind of align to someone that they saw that can make that cut uh, just due to the film and really the transition. How about you? I have a few others, but who else do you think kind of fits that mold? Well, I wonder, does Bilal Nichols fit that mold mm. for the three-tech, being someone that's going to have to move into that role? So does that fit in terms of what Ibraflus wants out of the position? We know Alan Williams has spoke highly about the three-tech, so when he said, like, explosiveness can be able to hold the B-gap, does Bilal Nichols fit that? And with the tape that he put out last year and obviously since his rookie season have polls and Eberflus seen enough out of him to feel like he can be that guy are they going to go address this in the draft or free agency so um it's not really answering your question but it's like i'm posing another question like does he fit the mold and i guess we'll have to wait and see by maybe free agency will tell us a good indication of that more so than eddie goldman uh, but still a good question that I'm, you know they're debating uh pretty much in-house what about the offensive line you know sam mustafer Cody Whitehair, uh, I think we all would like to move on from a Sam Mustafer. Uh, you mentioned, you know, Whitehair could be someone cut to save some money. Uh, but do you think it could save him if they go back to previous year's tapes, whether it be him at center or playing guard? Because we all said last year was a bad year, but we do know he did play at higher levels uh, in years past. Do you think that can maybe save him? I know he has a lot of money that's kind of going his way. Uh, but just curious your thoughts on maybe like a Cody Whitehair. Well, the thing is, Ryan Poles also talked about for the offensive line in general, we got, and here's the quote, we got to get lighter, we got to get quicker. And I would think for, you know, a lot of the Bears offensive linemen, I would think they almost kind of, they're not the biggest guys. Like, the Bears don't have a huge offensive line. So, you know, like a Sam Mustafer, I would think almost fits, like, the the quicker and lighter portion of it. But still, you got to see what the tape is telling you in terms of you want to keep a guy like that. But that's that's going to be the question because you're you're one also bringing in they said uh, different a little bit in terms of style they're going to change with the offensive line, and then what I thought was an interesting I guess quote from Ryan Poles he said through that I think there's a some young talent that just needs to be pressed, 
And that's part of our job is to create competition to bring the best out of them. I think we'll do that and see if the cream rises to the to the top there. So who's the cream? Who is the cream? Yeah, is the young. So I said when we, we were kind of walking back from the presser, who's this young talent that needs to be pressed? I told Will, could it be James Daniels? Still a very young player, but has had multiple positions and you know hasn't been as consistent as you'd like him to be. But then you mentioned... You know, both of the bookends, right? Larry Borum and Tevin Jenkins. But when you talk about being pressed, you know, Jenkins didn't even have an opportunity to be pressed last year. Borum was someone who was surprising to mm-hmm. kind of play at the level he did. And when you think about it, James Daniels, they've never brought in anyone that would even threaten him. Like, his first year, he would split reps with Eric Gush at the time. Yeah, yeah. I, I think. And ever since then, like, no one's been here to really push him. Uh, I do think the inconsistency with positions hurt as well. Uh, but that would be someone that would make a lot of sense. And sticking with the offensive line, uh, you know, Poles mentioned they're going to start the best five, mm-hmm. and they have no idea what they even looks like. And they were asked about Tevin Jenkins, like, is he a left tackle? Is he a right tackle? And he was pretty much noncommittal. Like, we haven't gotten him out in the field. You know, I have some ideas of where he fits on this offensive line, but I need to go out there, you know, work with him and just kind of see how that will kind of come together. Do you think he starts left tackle week one? <laughs> That's a good I don't know, Will. Like, but I, I can't say this for certain. That offensive line is switching up. Like, mm-hmm. there people are going to be in different positions, or they're going to get other players that are going to be filling, you know, a position that was once filled by maybe Larry Borum or Tevin Jiggs because they move them. But from the the make of it, from this press conference, even from the introductory one, like, there's going to be movement along the offensive line, and that can include bringing in new players or just having previous ones playing in maybe a position they should have started off with, like Tevin Jenkins being a right tackle, who knows, or moving inside. Like, that's for certain. I I can guarantee that someone's going to get moved. But, like, to say, is he going to start left tackle week one, I I honestly have no idea. Uh, And I think, number one, it will be the fit and what they Mm -hmm. believe is the best fit. But number two, if they're going to start the best five, who do they bring in via free agency? Who can they potentially draft? And that will also kind of determine the shuffling order, too, because if you can't find... Uh, a replacement left tackle, then maybe you're, for lack of a better term, like stuck you know, yeah. with them there, even though I personally would like him at right tackle. I, I think that does better suit him. A little less pressure off of him, and he gets to play, uh, I think, a little bit more naturally what we saw uh, with this college tape as well. Uh, this one kind of got away from me, so I do want to circle back about the mentality uh, that mm-hmm. they're bringing into the Bears, and there's one player uh, that Ryan Pulse kind of really highlighted that I think yeah. embodies uh, the mentality of what they're trying to bring into Chicago because they're talking about uh, this Bears offense. Like when you look back at this offense, what stands out to you? And he mentioned, you know, number eleven, uh, Darnell Mooney. And we all know Darnell has really, you know, risen here uh, throughout his time in Chicago. Uh, he called Mooney a bright spot uh, on this team, and he was quote blown away uh, by Darnell Mooney, the person, mm-hmm. uh, as much as he was uh, the player. Talked about the quiet confidence uh, that Mooney likes to kind of go about himself, but also Poles can feel that deep desire to be special uh, yeah. in this league. Uh, what do you think it means that when Ryan Poles is asked about the entire offense that he only mentioned, and, and he talked about Roquan Smith and Justin Fields at other times, so I'll say Justin's also involved here. Uh, he talked about, about the running backs room, but uh, in terms of individuals, like what did you like? It was only Darnell Mooney, because to me that speaks volumes about his probably, I would say, lack of faith in some of the current guys on this roster to kind of take those next steps and be true building blocks. So that tells me, obviously, he loves Darnell Mooney, obviously. <laughs> but it also tells me, like, you didn't mention Allen Robinson, who is obviously not signed. 
and that's that was supposed to be the number one right for for the Bears last season has been the previous um, years but saying how glowingly he, he loved Darnell Mooney from the person to the player how he kind of carries himself wanting to be special like you mentioned Will it also told me like yes I think it's been a foregone conclusion that Allen Robinson's most likely mm-hmm. not going to be back and they were at they asked about like his contract they didn't really give obviously they can't give much details into it but it also just because of how they spoke about Darnell Mooney you can kind of cut ties and let that the Allen Robinson era kind of be over with which is you know sad in itself but um, that's what it kind of told me how how I guess confident they were that Darnell Mooney can't be a number one like I mean with those words that you're kind of saying right here right now those sound like a guy that he's going to be obviously a focal point in this offense I think number one in today's NFL can mean True. so many uh, different things. I, I know in polls they're talking about like wide receivers and what you look for. Uh, I know polls said you know receivers come in all shapes, mm-hmm. sizes, speeds. Uh, Coach Eberflus mentioned uh, the, the the critical need uh, to have different skill sets at the receiver position. Uh, you know whether it be a, a guy who can take the top off the defense, uh, the guy to go win those 50-50 balls, the guy who can take it, you know that little hitch route and turn it into a 50-yard gain or a screen pass. So. Uh, number one could mean, you know, number one that looks, maybe not number one on the depth chart or playing the X uh, position. Uh, but I do think that Poles has, you know, high hopes for Mooney and believes, you know, I mean, Mooney played so well and he kept ascending on a roster with a staff that could not develop mm-hmm. any talent. So imagine what he can do with a little bit better, you know, teaching uh, as well as a mentality around him. I think that could just even take... Uh, his ceiling and raise it a little bit more than maybe what, what it was a year ago. It speaks volumes to who Darnell Mooney is. To be completely yeah, to be to thrive in in that kind of situation they're in. But Matty Rafluse and Ryan Poles both mentioned, and you, you said it here, Will too. Is like what they're looking for in a wide receiver is that being a playmaker. That's huge. And like you said, being able to take a hitch route and get those chunk plays, those explosive plays that really turn the tide and really can change a game. That's what they're looking for, a wide receiver. Whether they target that in free agency or the draft, we'll, we'll see very soon. But it's, it's someone that could be a difference maker alongside a Darnell Mooney and you know a, a good running back room like, like Ryan Poles mentioned. So that's going to be the focal point for whoever they bring in to replace you know, Allen Robinson and all the other free agents that they currently have. They're looking for playmakers at the wide receiver position. And I loved hearing that. Like It put a big smile on my face uh, to hear it both from Poles and Eberflus. Uh, because the fact is, and we've talked about it, exactly number one, the cohesion uh, between the two, uh, but we've talked about it for years on this podcast. Why can't our receivers make plays after the catch? Like, as yeah. soon as they, the ball's in their hands, they're tackled. And at first, like, we're looking at Mitch. Like, maybe Mitch's timing is off, so the defenses are able to kind of respond quicker. And then the same kind of issues happened a year ago. Now, could it be Nagy's scheme? Potentially. Uh, but I do think, no matter how you look at it, there is that need for more plays after the catch here in Chicago. It could be blocking downfield. There's a lot of variables in play here, but we do need those guys uh, to make something special happen uh, after they have the football uh, in their hands. So you mentioned Mooney, and I also mentioned uh, that Poles brought up uh, both Justin Fields and Roquan Smith uh, and can't wait to kind of get his hands on those players and raise their ceilings is how he mentioned that as well. Take their ceilings to uh, the next level. Uh, for everyone wondering, Will or Mike, uh, Coach Eberflus said, we don't know yet, but he's going to play inside backer, which obviously uh, we all knew. But when you look at the big three, you have Darnell Mooney, you know, Roquan Smith, and Justin Fields. Obviously, everyone wants us to talk about Justin Fields so we can hear. 
And Paul said, you know, in order for a quarterback to take a second-year jump, uh, something that really stood out to me was uh, Paul's admitting that Justin needs someone he can lean on, someone he can work with all offseason long throughout training camp, and then when it comes time for game day, someone that he can, quote, battle out with. Nick, obviously that's like a go-to security blanket type of guy. Is that player on the roster as of today? That's a good question, Will. I think Darnell Mooney showed flash, but he also showed some inconsistencies with some drops. So that's, again, part of the development for him. But I think it's going to be a combination of Darnell Mooney. You have to see what you have in Cole Komet. But you do, you do definitely need to bring somebody else. So I know we maybe want to make it to one player. But, man, it's like in an offense you want to be able to feel comfortable going to your – the first read's taken – like second, third, like you feel confident in it. So I think it's going to be the system, the approach that Luke Getze kind of brings in to really establish that confidence for Justin Fields. So right now, it's, it's it would have to, like if you look at the roster, it's only Darnell Moon. There's nobody right. else that can be in contention. But I would feel comfortable if they brought in, you know, and again, one of those playmakers. And that's why I told you last week on the show with Mason, I was pissed off when they said, oh, hey, we're going to start Justin, and didn't even involve Jesse James in the game plan because that was – his go-to guy, mm-hmm. all of camp and all preseason, and I thought that was an egregious oversight uh, by the previous staff. Uh, moving on with Justin, too, I know Iberflus was talking about him, and something that we talked about in speculation, but we got some good concrete evidence here today, uh, is what I'll quote Iberflus calling that dual education, where mm-hmm. he will also be going into the quarterback's room uh, as well and kind of teaching Justin. And we talked about some schemes, like, hey, this is what the defense is running and why, but Flues took it one step further, and he mentioned we're going to look at every DB and the techniques that they're playing with, why they play with those techniques, and some of the vulnerabilities of those techniques. How can we beat not just the coverage, but the specific defender, and depending on the technique that they're using to cover uh, the receiver. What do you take of that? Because that excites me, because I think Justin will be all ears. Someone's going to lean in, and he will grow, I think, tremendously from that kind of mindset uh, and perspective that he probably wasn't getting under Coach Nagy. No, absolutely. It's just a different perspective on how to look at things, and he wasn't getting that with Matt Nagy. But Matt Eberflus can obviously bring that, and one of the big things, like, oh, you brought in a defensive guy. Well, there's a perspective he can bring. And working alongside Luke Getze, that dual education will only best prepare Justin Fields for everything he might see you know, on Sunday. So it is one of the perks of having a defensive-minded coach, which I know a lot of people were very – you know, skeptical of, you know, at first. But I think that was something that it's going to play dividends because you can see all the techniques, the schemes, and why and how they do things. And then if Justin Fields can process that on the field, saying, oh, Matt Eberflus, you know, taught me why they do, you know, they play the certain coverage this way. Well, now you're going to see, I think, a better product on the mm-hmm. field from Justin Fields. So I think that's, you know, speaks volumes of the, the benefits that Matt Eberflus can provide in, you know, the offense. Right. And I know he was asked a couple times about, have you have an idea about what a system around Justin looks like? And uh, obviously we're not going to get many details right now, but he mentioned it's going to just be critical uh, to get that ball out fast, mm-hmm. make quick decisions, which goes back to the point of having receivers who can make things happen with the ball in their hands if you can get that ball out quick. One, thing, uh, one yeah, last ahead, thing man. I just met, Iberflus, and like, it seems like he's going to be very hands-on. Like he said after meetings he would go – around and ask how you know the other positional group meetings went and just seeing like hey how did everything go but it seemed as the head coach of the organization having a grasp of everything that's going on and not so you know micro focused on only maybe the defense obviously being a defensive minded coach but 
I like that Matt Eberflus is willing, and that's just personality too. Like, hey, after a meeting, let me go ask, see how things went, and then just getting a, a better understanding of the entire team, and not just maybe his defensive guys. But I think that's what that's what Matt Eberflus is going to bring to this team, and should reflect in how everybody coaches, and you know how ultimately how the players play. One hundred percent. I know we all talked about you know the the smart kind of mentality that they're all going for, and he he was talking up about his defense. He quoted it as you know it's. Uh, easy to understand but hard to implement, uh, meaning that uh, it's hard for a player to play to the high enough level needed in order for this system to scheme uh, to succeed. And I think that's great because that's going to really create some accountability uh, on that side of the ball. Like if you're not playing up to a certain standard, like you're useless in this defense, you know, get off mm-hmm. the field, uh, next guy up kind of mentality. So that one was nice. Uh, and I know he's building some relationships now via text coaches, which is really all he can do until players can come back into the building, I think, in April for the voluntary workouts. Yep. Uh, but he did tell everyone, you know, that everyone has a clean slate uh, right now and they have fresh grass to walk on, uh, which is nice. Again, you don't want to hold players, uh, you know, accountable for maybe being misused or anything of that nature. But also sure. the fact that you can come in and maybe make a new impression, uh, I think, will allow players to approach their new coach or new regime with an open mind and yep. maybe playing at that higher level. We're trying, you know, play with something to prove uh, in practice, exactly. which is huge. Yeah, and you have to do that for an entirely new coaching staff. I think it just rejuvenates, you know, the current maybe some of the guys that were, you know, brought on, like you said, were misused. And I, maybe we can kind of segue here into someone that we haven't seen in a very long time, but it was very valuable in the old regime, like a Tariq Cohen. Right. And, you know, he was uh, he was asked um, today, Ryan Poles, like, if is he healthy now? And didn't want to get into it. But I wonder if a guy like that's going to get an opportunity to prove that he can fit in this regime or if like the medicals are going to say one thing but that's obviously a player that was very highly you know thought of uh, just a couple years ago but now is kind of falling off because of injuries but I wonder how this all plays out with Tariq Cohen who again Ryan Poles kind of said it's easier to make decisions when you don't have those attachments mm-hmm. to the roster and I wonder if that's one of the casualties of, of the last regime too. And what I think concerns me about it, Nick, in, in terms of like maybe where this is heading, is that we heard from Coach, like, hey, I've been texting players on this team. Ryan Pohl said, like, we still need to talk to Tariq Cohen to see where True. he's at. So yeah. if the line of communication isn't open right now, that may also have some writing uh, up on the wall. Uh, so let's look forward. You know, we have the combine coming this week uh, with players coming in, uh, the draft as well as free agency, and they did kind of give some information uh, about that as well. And I want to start with the draft because we're here at the combine. Uh, Polls mentioned, you know, hey, you know, when we're here, we get to see the physicals, right? We get to see how everyone stands out uh, from a physical standpoint, whether it's speed, explosiveness, quickness, just their measurables in general. But I, more importantly, he said, is this is where you can kind of get the insight of what type of person uh, the player is and going back to the whole mentality of this team they want players that want to be great and that's their job here in these interviews is to kind of weed out like you know who are the players that just want to kind of go to the nfl and be an nfl player versus who are those players that have a deep desire to be something special uh, in this league and you can find those later in the draft darnell mooney is a perfect mm-hmm. uh, example of that and that's really what they're looking for their draft boards pinned down they roughly know who they want to target and why based off the film and now it's time to find the differences uh, who they are uh, as players. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's so big for this this current regime right now. It's who are the players or who are the people behind the players right. that are making these plays, right? So they, they emphasize that in the introductory press conferences. They definitely talked about it here where they just want to get to know the people 
and that's going to be again a big deciding factor in these and that's a, that's a huge thing with the combine you know you can run a fast 40 you can put so much weight on the bench press multiple multiple times but who are you as an individual so all these interviews that are taking place are going to be huge for maybe those fringe prospects that they're thinking maybe fits the profile on you know multiple different layers but then the interview may go one way so if they don't fit that and they the person's not right the personality the, like again wanting to be special the bears are not going to get that player whether it's free agency or the draft so i think it's crucial what these these draft prospects are going to say to you know maybe their future employer and if they say the right things and show the right stuff on tape they could be a Chicago Bear. And Pulse did say, like, you know, these guys are coached up. They kind of know, like, what to say, and that's their job to make it hard, ask the mm -hmm. tough, questions tough questions to get the real substance underneath some of the maybe cliches uh, that you will get from some of these prospects this week. Uh, speaking of the draft, uh, he was asked about having 25 picks. We talk, we've been talking about that all offseason so far. Uh, he said he will be open-minded in how the Bears can create more picks. What's that mean to you? Is that a trade down? Uh, is that trading players? Is it a combination of the two? I personally doubt it means borrowing from the future and trading next year's picks uh, in order to get more of this year. I really don't think that's going to be something on his mind because just based off of my gut feeling of what he said here today. You know, it, I think it's going to be trading back at some point, trying to acquire more picks. But then you also look at what Kansas City kind of did to get blanking on the left tackle that they, they acquired um, when they matter. traded you know, multiple first-round draft picks. So, like, if there's a conviction there to go acquire somebody like that last regime Brett Veach Ryan Poles they show that they will do that but I think as it currently stands with this Bears organization like next year you'll have a first second you know those picks that usually are never there for the Bears because Ryan Pace would trade them away so I think it is going to be at some point we will see a trade back that's just my my gut saying it I obviously don't have any any information on that but I just feel like with five it really limits you. <laughs> like, you have a lot of holes to fill on both sides, offense and defense. So you can find a way, and it takes two to tango, right? Right. So you got to find that right trade partner. But I think at some point we see the Bears trade back to acquire some more picks. And it's going to be sooner rather than later because mm -hmm. you wait till round five. Like, you're not going to get much in return. Round three, almost the same boat. So it would have to be number 39, uh, the very first yeah. pick, maybe moving down to the mid-40s, low 50s. But if that means you gain a third, maybe a fourth. And maybe, you know, maybe another six along the way. Uh, it may end up uh, being worth it. And then the next phase of this offseason right after the combine is free agency. And Poles mentioned, you know, his mentality through free agency is the fact that he's a big fan of the, uh, the second and the third waves of free agency. Uh, would kind of hesitate to be a big buyer uh, right away in that first wave. He mentioned free agencies where you overpay yep. uh, for players and for talent anyway. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a market. It's kind of how it kind of plays out. Uh, but it's not just about saving money, Nick. It's about the type of player that they expect to get in the second and third waves, which players at that stage, you know, they're not getting the biggest contracts, maybe not even for the longest amount of time. Uh, and they're players, as Poles mentioned, uh, that have a chip on their shoulder. They play with something to prove, and they kind of play with the purpose. And we've seen that in the past with some of Ryan Pace's one-year deals. Yeah. And I kind of expect, you know, for the Bears to be, you know, heavy hitters in that second and third wave. I mean, there's so many holes in this roster. If they're not going to be bringing back their own guys, like you have to be buying, you know, some of that back-end talent. Uh, I know they mentioned, like, depth is super important, obviously, uh, to kind of build up as well. Um, but I think the fact that they're not going to overspend on the one guy and try to maybe do some quality, I mean, quantity here and bring in more players with a similar mindset who will play hard for this team, I think they're going to be able to coach them up and get a lot out of them as well. Well, I think, too, it kind of also 
connects with that that hits philosophy. Mm -hmm. Those players that you're going to find in second, third waves, like you said, they're proving themselves. And especially if they're on one-year deals, that is their their sole focus that year to prove to this this new team that they can stick around for maybe a multi-year contract. So, and that I think fits just right in perfect blueprint of what what Matt Eberflus is really expecting out of all of his players to embody that hits philosophy, that hustle intensity, you know, create turnovers, but smart football. Um, that I think will work well with how they're going to try to build this roster because. You can't just do it through one signing. It's like you can get a quality player with one signing, but then look at all these other holes that you still have to fill. So you yep. have to go with the strategy if you really want to fix and have a team that's going to be competitive. You have to do it through the second and third wave and get these one-year deals and see how these players can help help the current Bears because that's what this one year most likely is going to be for them, for a lot of the guys. Exactly. Uh, is there anything that we didn't hear today from either Coach Flues or Poles that you wish we did? Well, I mean, you know, it would be really nice to get some details on, like, <laughs> uh, again, what they, even on the offensive line, like, okay, honestly, where do you kind of see, like, a, like a James Daniels playing or a Tariq, you know, or uh, Tevin Jenks or things like that, but you know, it's too early in the process for, for that kind of stuff, but it would be um, it would be nice to just know, like, hey, we're go we're going to move James Daniels or we're going to move Tevin Jenkins, so then we can start looking at, you know, players to replace that that vacant position. But, you know, I kind of, this is what I was kind of expecting, like not too much information, but just enough to where we can talk about it on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's a lot of fun here. Uh, who do you think gave us actually more substance? Would it be flutes or poles? I'll go with polls. I think, I mean, just take, just looking at my notes, yep. to be completely honest, <laughs> exactly. like there, there's just more there. Um, so I'll definitely go with Ryan Poles as being the one who shared a little bit more. Can I pat myself on the back for asking Coach a question today? Yes, that's, that's <laughs> how we were supposed to start this podcast first. Yeah, but it's in the, the scrum, like with, with all the, the podiums and, you know, it's not easy asking a question at any of these, like, kind of events. But Will spoke up, asked, uh, you know, uh, the traits in a, a corner. <laughs> Back. Yeah, coach thought I said quarterback. Yeah, yeah like quarterback in a defense. Is it quarterback? And then did like a little throwing motion. I was like, no, corner. He's like, oh, big difference. I'm like, yeah, a little bit. Uh, but he did mention like when he's looking at corners in his defense, uh, three things. Quickness, uh, quickness because they need to get to the ball. Uh, quickness in the transitions. Uh, instincts, which means ball instincts. They want ball hawks on this defense. Uh, and speed, like uh, for instance, makeup speed because sometimes you are going to get beat but your ability to kind of close that gap and recover uh, is important. So those are the three things, uh, which, by the way, I don't think Duke Shelley embodies. Uh, yeah, uh, Kendall yeah. Vildor, iffy. So I, I feel like we're in the market for corner. And if, as we look throughout the rest of our week, uh, in terms of like who we want to talk to and why, uh, I know some traits that I get to kind of highlight here. Yeah, absolutely. Knowing those traits came from Will's question, which is pretty cool in itself. 100%, man. So looking ahead uh, for this week, obviously we have a lot of work ahead of us. Uh, tomorrow we get to talk to the wide receivers uh, and tight ends, uh, which we all know are two positions of need uh, in one degree or another. It really depends on the Cole Komet evaluation uh, as well. He was not a guy that mentioned whatsoever here today. Uh, so take that for what it's worth. So guys uh, and Nick, you know, we'll have to the opportunity to kind of talk to some players like, you know, David Bell from Purdue, uh, Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati, uh, USC's Drake London. Who are you most excited to listen to and kind of pick the brain and why? So I, I really like David Bell, and I know, you know, there's some people who are concerned with, like, how fast he is, how fast he's going to run and things like that. But the person, again, they got to fit this certain type that, you know, Ryan Poles, Matty Refluser are looking for. So getting that, 
know him a little bit more. And he does model his game after Allen Robinson. That's kind of the guy that he looks up to and how he kind of plays his game. But I'm really just looking forward to, you know, just getting to ask him a couple of questions tomorrow. But Alec Pierce, too, as well, is another guy that I briefly spoke to at the uh, Senior Bowl, but just kind of catching up with him a little bit. Those are definitely the two I'm looking for. I'm looking forward to, like, forward to like, a Drake London. Uh, again, as Iberflus mentioned, like, the receivers in his offense need to have complementary skill sets. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to be looking at other Darnell Mooney type of players. Like, they could draft one and prove me wrong here, but I feel like they're going to be looking at, you know, what does Mooney not have that we still need? Is it the bigger, taller guy that can go down there and win those, you know, 50-50 balls on the perimeter? I, I think so, Nick. Uh, so I'll be looking at, you know, guys over six foot, guys who can go up and get it at the point of attack, and uh, I have a nice short list. I'm excited to kind of uh, hammer out here tomorrow and hop back on the show to talk to you about and share with you uh, you know what I learned you can share it to me uh, the same kind of thing and it'll be a great uh, conversation but any final thoughts before we wrap up today's episode you know day one is in the books yeah. um, with and it's only going to become uh, even more extensive from from now on but we're really looking forward to providing all this coverage so Keep your notifications on for the Chicago Auto. We don't know when we'll be going live, but just make sure you're on your phones, laptops, whatever it may be. And uh, stay up to date with everything that's going on here at the NFL Scouting Combine. Oh, right. We do know we're going live Friday morning. That's a big, big day for us as we kind of finish our transition uh, to our new brand uh, with a, a bigger company uh, that we're super excited to be a part of now. Uh, allowing us to kind of cover the Bears uh, full-time. If you haven't heard that yet, you know, the Chicago Audible, we have been acquired, uh, so we will be uh, under a different name. Still Will and Nick, some other people uh, along the way. Um, but Friday morning, if you get a notification from uh, maybe a name you don't know yet, uh, you'll at least figure it out. I believe it uh, shouldn't be too hard. And then from there, give it a look, because uh, I'm just going to say it. It's going to be badass. Oh, it definitely is. Like, if you need to tune in on Friday. Just, just going to say it straight up. Once you see that notification, hop on because it's, it's going to be awesome. So I cannot wait for, for that at the end of the week. After all this work, then we, we kind of get rewarded, mm-hmm. right? So it's going to be a really good time. Hey, by the way, I know we got to see each other in person to meet, uh, you know, the new boss and, you know, kind of get some uh, ducks in a row here. But first time on the show in person uh, together, which I think will be happening uh, more and more mm-hmm. uh, in our future. But I just want to say congratulations, congratulations uh, on uh, everything that we've been able to accomplish. And I so look forward to this next chapter with you. Uh, you know, being one of my best friends for years, uh, a colleague here on the show, uh, being able to now have a more professional relationship yeah. with you is uh, on the Bears' beat. It's another dream come true. And uh, I can't wait till like we're 50 and look back <laughs> at this moment. It's going to be such a turning point for us in our lives. And I think we'll just look back at it fondly and, you know, not wonder what if because we made the right choice. Absolutely. And, you know, years of hard work, dedication, but it's also thanks to everybody who tunes in to all these shows and has helped us throughout the years just grow and given us this opportunity that's, you know, pursuing our dreams, which is which is awesome to say. So thank you to everybody who watches and listens and, you know, supports us through over the years. Right. So I only get to say this for a couple more times. I want to thank you for tuning into this episode of The Chicago Audible. Uh, yeah, it's going to be so weird having to say other things uh, here soon. But, uh, again, it's your support over the years that made everything possible for us. Uh, I just want to thank you for tuning into this episode, getting our thoughts on Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus's time with the media here today. Uh, and I look forward, uh, alongside with Nick, uh, to kind of give you uh, some insights from all of the positions here uh, this week. 
besides linebacker and defensive line, uh, because we will be in Chicago that day, uh, spoiler alert, uh, for that new show. Uh, so I think it's just good that you know that so you don't look for that uh, come Friday. But Mason <laughs> will be here, uh, so you can follow Mason on Twitter, and he'll give you all the updates uh, throughout the day as well. Uh, but that's going to do it. Uh, I'm your host, Little Wit, for Nicholas Moriano. Until next time, bear down, Chicago.